0: Welcome to the podcast, Your Time, with James Sweetman. Hello, and thank you for joining me this week. I'm back running solo with this week's episode after my wonderful chat with Eileen Hopkins last week. Eileen was so generous with her conversation and her tips and her wisdom. It was an episode I really enjoyed, so be sure to check it out. We had a terrific conversation exploring topics such as fear of change. And of course, Eileen being an award-winning Toastmaster, we got some tips on public speaking too. So this week, I'm looking at a topic that I've touched on and skirted maybe a few times before. But this episode, this week being episode 111, 111, we're looking at imposter syndrome straight in the eye. I think it's a topic that in the past, people were reluctant to acknowledge or speak about. But from my own experience, I think that's just how we're hotwired. You know, we all run in imposter syndrome. It's part of the human condition. And I think if we're honest, we can all relate to it. I know I certainly can. You know, some of us might have learned how to dance with it. You know, we recognize it for what it is, fear-based thinking. Uh, others, of course, will mask it through learned aggression, bullying, cynicism, skepticism. You know, they'll do that to cover it up so that they won't feel as insecure. You know, one of my favourite quotes in this area, which I have to say is one of mine, but it was inspired, I remember it came to me in a hotel lobby a few years ago, is that we all run the gamut between waiting to be found and waiting to be found out. I mean, that's the truth. We all run the gamut between waiting to be found and waiting to be found out. Uh, when I share that with groups, it usually gets some nodding heads and some, some knowing smiles. So this week, I'm going to take you through eight tips for overcoming imposter syndrome. But these are really practices, strategies to apply because in spot, imposter syndrome is part of being human. So it's a bit like creativity. You know, we can exercise it or not exercise it, but we cannot remove it. I don't think it goes away. Um, for me, it certainly doesn't. Um, and I've worked with many people over the years who have achieved plenty in their lives. They have become successful in their own field or you know, some of them are even in the public eye. And let me tell you, they still run patterns of imposter syndrome. You know, that thinking that spins on the idea of goodness, what if I get found out? So for me, imposter syndrome is a particular flavor of lack of confidence. You know, it will raise its head in certain situations or environments. Personally, it's often when I'm doing big talks, or if I'm doing work, say, in the corporate world with a new group, You know, and I wonder if they'll get me or if they'll think I'm from the planet Pluto, you know, and very soon I'm questioning the benefit of what I'm doing or why are they looking for me or, you know, how can I be adding value? You know, will they understand what I'm imparting? And in recent times, with workshops and conferences taking place via Zoom, it's, it's heightened because, you know, most people have their cameras off. And sometimes I'm wondering, goodness, is anyone actually there, let alone listening? And you pose a question and there's silence and you don't know, you're not getting any sense of feedback at all. Um, As you you look at the red light, the the camera that you're speaking into. So in recent times for me, I found imposter syndrome has has been heightened and I suspect that's the same for, for others as well. So in my work with countless clients in this area over the years and also very much within my own personal development journey, I've uncovered two underlying beliefs that for me fuel imposter syndrome. So while strategies and practices we apply might address the symptoms, it's even more beneficial to unearth the cause. And when these limiting and fear-based assumptions are brought to the surface, brought to the light of consciousness, we can label them and then they will begin to lose their power over us. Uh, We can see them for what they are, you know, a habit of thinking that perhaps was useful once. Uh, but that no longer serves us. I sometimes view it a bit like a systems upgrade to my phone. You know, I'm looking to get rid of old bugs and get a new operating system in place to upgrade the thinking patterns, as it were. So the the two beliefs, um, you know, that I've uncovered and. When I I came across them or when they came to me, it was like bullseye. This is really what we're talking about when we're looking at imposter syndrome. And sometimes here I'll use another analogy, which is a bit like weeds in the garden. You know, so if you think of the, the garden and we're blessed to have a nice garden here and Brian sort of looks after it, I mow it. But I know if he doesn't go to the borders, the weeds will come up. And that's what these beliefs are like. You know, if we don't tend to them or, you know, deal with the soil, as it were, the weeds will, will resurface. They'll come back again and again or they'll just pop up somewhere else. And that's what imposter syndrome uh, is like. So the first belief, the first um, hindrance in this area is the thinking that others will judge me negatively or other people will be judging me negatively. Now, you might think on the surface, well, no, hold on, that's not me. But just think about maybe anxiousness with social situations, uh, interview nerves. You know, that's something that I work with people on quite a bit. You know, why are you nervous at interview? Well, in, in case they ask me a question I cannot answer or what if I go blank? And if you go one level down from that, it's based on the fear that, well, the interviewers in this case will be judging me negatively. The same thing for presentation skills. That's an environment where imposter syndrome is magnified, you know, or even, say, speaking up at work, raising your hand at a team meeting or at a conference to ask a question. It's like, oh, goodness, no, I couldn't do that because what would others think of me or therefore they'd be judging me negatively. Um, Maybe even asking someone out on a date, it raises its head, you know, and it's all based on that thinking that, you know, Who does she think she is? You know, we're sort of thinking that other people will be thinking, who the hell does she think she is? Um, We're we're focused on other people's uh, negative judgment or how they might be judging us negatively. Whereas, of course, in reality, what's really going on is that that negative judgment assumption that we're making is really mirroring our own negative judgments So in that moment, if I'm thinking they're judging me negatively, I'm the one who's actually judging other people negatively and probably judging myself negatively too. And then I'm projecting it all onto the other person. So we're holding others to our own standard, as it were. You know, my experience, and this is probably yours too, when you really think about it, you know, other people are not that concerned about us. They have their own worries. They have their own stuff that they're dealing with. They're not particularly focused on how we're thinking about them or how we're feeling. They're just busy getting on with things and probably trying to to deal with their own version of imposter syndrome as well. So that first underlying belief, that inhibitor, is other people will be judging me negatively. And if we can just contemplate or begin to witness the amount of times we're doing a variation of that, well, that's progress and that's given the garden a good weeding, as it were. The second weed in the garden, the second inhibiting thought or fear-based thought that we're all in the habit of running, usually unconsciously, it's a bit like Muzak in the background, but it's there and it fuels so much of our thoughts and emotions and behaviours And we'll have it on loop. And that's, what if I'm not good enough? You know, what if I'm not good enough? If that comes up in a coaching session with the client, I'll often put it back to them, well, what are you not good enough for? You know, to at least make it a little bit more specific. And it also then brings it down to maybe a behavioral level or a situational level, as opposed to an identity level, where we assume just by being ourselves, we're not good enough, Um, which which is the nastier version of this you know we how would i say it you know we know what we know and by default we can often assume that other people will know more than we know and and i know that's something that i tend to run myself you know i'm fairly self aware i tend to have a good handle on where my areas of expertise are but so often we'll run the pattern that other people will be more expert than us so whilst we all have our own areas of knowledge and expertise You know, no one has the same unique combination of expertise and experience and life story as you do. And that's what makes you unique. And I know when I'm working with people, helping them prepare for interview, which, as I say, is an area that imposter syndrome certainly raises its head, you know, I often say to them that at interview, every question you're asked, or the vast majority of questions you're asked, are based on your own experiences and your own opinions. And no one is more expert on them than you are. People can have different experiences and different opinions, but you know, maybe we counterbalance imposter syndrome by fully owning and acknowledging our own experiences and skills and opinions. You know, and we we experience the world through the filter of our emotions and thoughts, um, and they're based on our own judgments, and that's also part of our defence mechanism. You know, is that car coming quicker than I think? I make an assessment of that, I make a judgment of it. But the body will do fight or flight when it feels a sense of psychological threat, um, as well as a sense of physical threat. And, but so often we feel a sense of psychological threat when there is actually no threat there. We only imagine it; it's there in our mind. And um, then we'll often project that onto other people. So that loops back to the negative judgment piece. You know, If I'm judging someone else negatively because I think they'll be judging me negatively, the only person doing negative judgment in that moment is yourself. And then that brings us into the territory of sweeping our own doorstep, that favourite Mother Teresa quote of mine, you know, if everyone swept their own doorstep, uh, the whole world would be clean. You know, another area where imposter syndrome raises its head that I see frequently is in uh, presentation skills. Again, it's magnified there you know, what if I'm not good enough in getting the knowledge across? Or what if I'm not good enough because I mightn't be able to answer a question? Or what if I'm not good enough if I don't secure the sale with this pitch? But in reality, when audiences are listening to you as a presenter, you know, they're not really caring about how you're feeling. They're more interested in what's in this for me. You know, we see the world through our own eyes and through our own uh, lenses, as it were. So that second weed in the garden, that second inhibiting, limiting, fear-based thought pattern is what if I'm not good enough? And if we can label it and we maybe finish it by saying what if I'm not good enough for? um, We can we can contain it and uh, see it for what it is. So before I share some tips and practices for overcoming or combating imposter syndrome, let's look at how imposter syndrome tends to raise its head You know, and for me, this is about overdoing many things. You know, we'll overcommit. We'll take on too much because maybe we're afraid to say no, fear of letting others down, fear that they'll be judging me negatively. You know, it tends to run back to those weeds in the garden, you know, or we'll over-excuse, you know, excessive explanations as to why we can't do something or go somewhere, you know, in the hope of soft-soaping, as it were, the other person into understanding us we'll overcompensate, we'll overgive, we'll overachieve. You know, how many of us can raise our hands to that one? And that's closely aligned with perfectionism. You know, so if something is perfect, no one can give out to me. Therefore, no one can judge me negatively. Um, we tend to hone our expertise. Some people, how would I say it? You know, they drift into over-intellectualizing and looking to win the argument, as it were, to to almost bully people with their own intellect, which you tend to find when we run imposter syndrome as well, that we'll tend to be a soloist, which is, you know, the opposite of a team player, because we can only control, you know, ourselves, as it were, you know, that old thinking, if you want something done well, do it yourself. That can also be a mantra when it comes to imposter syndrome as well. So we'll tend to overdo many things, overcommit, overcompensate, overachieve as a way to counterbalance that sense of psychological threat on the inside, that sense of imposter syndrome. You know, anyone who knows me will know that one of my um, uh, favorite people out there in the world is Michelle Obama. I think she's so inspirational. And there's many quotes of hers that I like, but there was one from her book, you know, her autobiography, Becoming. Um, that really spoke to me in this area of imposter syndrome. And she says, you know, she posed some questions to start with, She says, am I too loud, too much, dreaming too big? Eventually, I just got tired of always worrying about what everyone else thought of me. So I decided not to listen. Their wise words. I think if you think of what everything Michelle Obama has been exposed to, and the negative media, and the people out attacking her, and the racist comments, etc., she'd go mad if she paid attention to them. But I think we can we can take a lesson from that ourselves. You know that quote again: "Am I too loud? Too much? Dreaming too big? Eventually, I just got tired of always worrying what everyone else thought of me, so I decided not to listen." So before I jump into the the tips and practices for Counterbalancing balancing imposter syndrome, let me pose a question here. And it's a question that for me is quite powerful, you know. So how would you be different if you didn't have to strive to prove your worthiness? That's one of those questions that when I came across it initially, it hit me between the two eyes. How would you be different if you didn't have to strive to prove your worthiness? But I find in this area, because it's something that I'm working on, you know, the way I tend to share on the podcast, everything else that I'm dealing with or learning, this week is no exception, let me tell you. But when I came across that question, what followed it for me was, you know, when we stop trying to prove our worthiness, we open ourselves to receiving, you know, we're moving into a little bit more of a sense of balance or alignment. Um, And like everything in life, there's give and take and up and down and in and out and hot and cold. And so many of us run the pattern of doing and overdoing and overcommitting and all of those things I mentioned earlier. But if we for a moment pause and stop trying to prove our worthiness, you know, whilst we are able to maybe take a breath and be calmer and more relaxed, the positive byproduct is that maybe now we're open to receiving as a way of balancing all of that giving that we've been doing over the years. So, let me share with you eight practices, eight strategies for, I would probably say, overcoming imposter syndrome, but maybe that's not quite right. It's more to do with diminishing it or learning to dance with it. Because, as I say, it's not something that we can remove, it's something that we're looking to manage. So, the first one is to list out, or at least become very aware, or focus a little more on all of your strengths, your achievements, your qualities, personality, uh, characteristics um, that you're proud of, you know, and so often we we ignore this because we're focused on the next thing or we're focused on what didn't work out. So let's take a moment to acknowledge our strengths, our achievements, our positive qualities. And if you're someone who journals, um, great thing to be journaling and to refer to frequently. You know, it's interesting when I'm helping someone prepare for interview, you know, you know, the way at interview, you're often asked, well, what are your strengths or what are achievements you're proud of? You know, they're interview type questions. And I'll often start a coaching session with someone in, in with those topics. Um, and whilst that's good practical interview prep, it also turns the dial uh, on imposter syndrome. You know, we're leaning towards something that's a little bit more honest. So in this area, I often think with imposter syndrome, we're focusing on or we're leaning into the negative and the negative assumptions, whereas can we just sort of turn the dial a little bit and and be a little bit more, how would I say it, honest um, um, in terms of balance and noticing what we do well and what we've always done well and what we're proud of. So tip one, let me acknowledge my strengths, my achievements and my positive qualities. And if it's something that you're reticent to do yourself you know in a a conversation with a friend or a family member maybe you can steer it that way and seek some of their honest uh, feedback not in a way that fuels our ego but just as a way of of having an honest discussion because this is an area that you're you're choosing to work on the second tip and i would have mentioned this before because it's so relevant in a number of different areas which is dropping the compare and the despair as i say Comparison is the thief of joy. What we're often doing is comparing how we're feeling on the inside to what we see on someone else's outside. And that might be, you know, a two-dimensional image on uh, Instagram where we're looking at someone's edited and curated life that looks fantastic and we're comparing it to how we're feeling on the inside, maybe tired, emotional, exhausted, I don't know whereas the only comparison that's ever valid is between where we are now and where we would like to progress towards. So imposter syndrome thrives on comparison. So let me pull back from that. Let me be aware of that. Let me drop as much as I can that habit we have of compare and despair. Tip number three contains an important distinction, and that's failure doesn't equal being a fraud. Let me repeat that one again. Failure doesn't equal being a fraud. And that sense of being a fraud is another term for imposter syndrome. So we are always more than what we do. There will be things we'll try, there's things that will work out, there's things that we have to tweak, there are things that we have to pivot, you know, but you know, my challenge in this area has always been I love what I do but I'm still more than what it is I do. So supposing something I do doesn't work out or, you know, there's an initiative and it's a failure or something doesn't sell or, you know, there's a certain feedback on something that I didn't particularly want to hear. And if I'm closely associated with my work, I'm taking that personally. So I see it as diminishing me as opposed to just a a business strategy that didn't work out. You know, we take things personally when we care. So we wouldn't want it any other way if we didn't care we'd probably be complacent um, but when we care it's easy to drift into um taking things personally um, what i often find though if we delve a little deeper in this area that if i'm receiving negative feedback from others it tends to be only stoking the dormant monster as i phrase it that lies within me so they're saying nothing that negative feedback coming from the outside in is is repeating nothing that I haven't said to myself in my own head countless times before. So it's like they're just verifying my own negative thinking. So if other people are saying, gosh, James, that wasn't great, or I thought that could have been better, you know, that's only mirroring the fact that I've been saying that to myself for probably a long time. And that's the the tricky part of imposter syndrome as well, because we're almost looking for the negative feedback. So that point again was failure doesn't equal being a fraud. We'll all fail at different things, but it does and, and we'll we'll give things our best shot, but it doesn't mean we're fraudulent in what we're we're doing. And for me, one of the key distinctions there is ensuring that my intention at the outset is conscious and positive. So I'm doing something for the right reason, I'm giving it my best shot. If I get feedback on it, or if something doesn't work out, if there is a quote unquote failure, it's a learning opportunity and then I'm on to the next thing. So failure doesn't equal being a fraud. Tip number four for counterbalancing imposter syndrome is leaning towards a beginner mindset. You know, whether that's a creative project, or if you're simply just trying to move into the witness position so you can observe your thoughts and see your thought patterns and maybe adjust them, you know, or if you're trying to move away from assuming the worst case scenario all the time to be aware of your own patterns of worrying you know and maybe to be slightly more kinder towards yourself whatever it is that you're trying out to do differently whether it's an initiative or a thought habit and um, be gentle with yourself with it and uh, and acknowledge that you're approaching it with a beginner mindset. It's not about being an an expert or a perfectionist member. There are words associated with imposter syndrome. Here, you're just giving something a go. You're looking to choose a different path in a way that's kinder to yourself. Tip number five is an odd one, because it might sound as if I'm contradicting myself, but it's one that brings us into the territory of self-confidence. And as I said at the outset, imposter syndrome is a it's a second cousin once removed of lack of confidence. Yeah, but the tip here is fake it until you feel it. Now, that's not about being a fraud, you know, but sometimes if we can visualize how we want to show up in a scenario or how we want to engage with people differently or how we want to push through something despite the the negative nagging voice in our head, we might need to fake it until we actually uh, feel it. For me, one of the things that I found powerful in recent times is that if I have a a concept of my future self or my higher self or the, you know, the new and improved version of myself, what it is I'm working towards, can I talk to that vision of me? You know, can I talk to what it is I'm trying to create? You know, and then maybe can I listen to what wisdom will come back when I instigate a conversation with that noblest, highest, truest version of myself? And again, this one may not be for everyone. But what I found is that deep down, when I am quiet, I can connect with my own wisdom. And that wise voice does not do imposter syndrome at all, because it knows that me at my core, you at your core, we are, um, how would I say it? We are far from imposters. You know, we're spiritual creatures, spiritual souls having a human experience. And sometimes if we can connect with that, the, the more basic or fundamental or human forms of thought processes that, you know, run on fear and need for control, uh, just naturally dissolve when we connect with our own um, inner wisdom. And another point that follows on from that one is positive visualization. So this might be, you know, what I've just mentioned around that higher vision you have for yourself. This might be just something more practical where you're thinking about a scenario that you have coming up. Let's say it's a team meeting at work or via Zoom. And, you know, you're looking to, to ask a question. You have something valid that you want to ask or you want to volunteer for something. You know, can you visualize yourself approaching that in a way that you'd like to do it? And counterbalancing or taking a deep breath so that you're no longer being diminished by that old thought pattern of what if they're judging me negatively or, you know, what if they think I'm not good enough? So two more tips to share with you on counterbalancing imposter syndrome. Tip number seven is around rational thought. So if you think about imposter syndrome and the patterns of thinking, the negative judgments, what if I got good enough? They are defense mechanism type thoughts, but they're also emotive thoughts. Let's bring our rational brains into play here. You know, rational brains is about evidence, you know. So let me think about all the situations in the past where maybe my excessive worrying was just not valid you know, people were nicer to me or things tended to work out or it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, you know, or all the positive feedback I get from from other people, you know, so maybe I can, you know, how would I say it? Look at the look at the not look, look for the positive, just look for what's more factual. And uh, for me, uh, confidence and um, how would I say it more of an honest approach to something is doing evidence or fact-based thinking and combining it with conscious positive action. So I'm doing this purposely, as it were. Uh, Tip number eight, and it's one that I've shared in a few different contexts before, because if we're looking for more of anything and if we're trying something new or if I'm trying to push my comfort zone or if I'm trying to assess my thought patterns, the quality that we're always really looking to connect with is courage the courage to do my best, the courage to show up, the courage to raise my hand, the courage to instigate a conversation, you know, the courage to try something new, the courage to think something new, the courage to trust, the courage to have faith, you know, the courage to reach out, the courage to have to ask for help. It goes on and on and on. The quality we're really looking to connect with within ourselves is the courage to to show up differently or to step into the fullest, truest expression of ourselves, you know, the courage to be vulnerable. Um, maybe there's a whole podcast episode to come on the, on the topic of courage. Uh, let me move towards close by sharing a, a number of quotes, but one from one of my favourite teachers, authors, speakers, uh, Brenny Brown, I'm sure you're well familiar with us. But she has the wonderful quote, one of many, that goes, the stories that we own, we get to write the ending. The stories we don't own, own us. You know, and for me, stories are habits of thinking. You know, we're running the pattern of imposter syndrome. Uh, that's a habit of thinking. Can I look to change that habit of thinking? Can I be you know, can I change the dialogue? Can I change the, the habitual story that I've been running? You know, so the stories that we own, we get to write the ending. The stories we don't own, own us. Wise words from Brené Brown. So I've another quote to share with you and some closing reflections and a question to ponder in the week ahead. But let me fly through those eight tips again, just so you have them. Uh, Tip number one for counterbalancing imposter syndrome was taking a moment to list or to contemplate your strengths, achievements and positive qualities because they're there. We just want to pay more attention to them. Tip number two was dropping the compare and the despair, You know, because comparison is not just the thief of joy, it's also something that fuels imposter syndrome. The only comparison that's valid is between where we are now and where we'd like to progress towards. Tip number three that I spoke about quite a bit was failure doesn't equal being a fraud. We'll try different things, it may not work out, it doesn't make us any less of a person. Tip number four is if we're trying something new, let's be gentle with ourselves and to acknowledge that we can approach something as a beginner and with a beginner mindset. Tip five was fake it until you feel it. So you're trying something new, you're you're doing it anyway, and the feelings will catch up with you. Tip number six, positive visualization. Let me create a blueprint for what it is I'm trying to do differently or how I want to approach something differently. Then tip number seven was to how would I say it, bring the rational thinking into play to counterbalance the, the emotive thinking, which is what imposter syndrome is. And let's look at what the evidence tells us. You know, So evidence-based thinking plus conscious positive action uh, for me is the way forward here. And then what fuels the whole thing is courage, the courage to show up and to do and to be my best, knowing that our definition of best is fluid. It'll change day by day, week by week, sometimes hour by hour. With that quote by Brené Brown, where where she was speaking about the stories and we get to own them and we can write the ending. You know, there's another quote in that area by C.S. Lewis, the author, perhaps most famous for the Narnia Chronicles. You know, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe was one of my favourite books as a kid. I read it several times. But he has the, the quote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And again, they're powerful words they can apply in a number of different scenarios, and they apply equally well today with imposter syndrome. So those words of C.S. Lewis, again, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So here's a closing reflection for you. And it's something that I tried to bring into my awareness When I'm setting my intention for something, when I'm starting something new, when I'm showing up with a client or to speak at a conference or to deliver a workshop, you know, I'll ask myself, am I doing this in an attempt to prove my worthiness or am I doing this from a place of acknowledging my worthiness? That's a powerful concept. Um, um, Am I doing this in an attempt to prove my worthiness? or am I doing this from a place of acknowledging my worthiness? So there's the deep questions to ponder over the next few days. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you found my musings on this topic of imposter syndrome um, worthwhile. If you've enjoyed the episode, consider giving me a thumbs up or a share on social media or a review or a rating that's always appreciated. Um, all of the, the back episodes of my podcast, of course, are available on my website, jamesweekman.com, or on the various platforms as well, Stitcher and Podbean and iTunes. And if you've not subscribed, maybe you want to consider subscribing so you'll get the little ping every week when the new episode goes up on the uh, on the Wednesday morning. So thanks again for tuning in and until next week.